You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, episode 197. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome back to Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantors, speaker, coach, and founder of The C Method, where I help high-performing professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. You can learn more at thecmethod.com. Now, if you haven't yet already, I invite you to join our awesome community over on Facebook. Search for the group The C Method Rockstars or go to thecmethod.com slash community. Come on over and hang out with a group of like-minded people who are all committed to developing their confidence and their speaking and communication skills. We cannot wait to meet you. Now, today's podcast is all about resilience and mental health, and I am very, very excited to be introducing you to my very special guest who has a unique story to share, and his name is Warren Davies, the unbreakable farmer. Now, Warren and I met a number of years ago when we were both speaking at a charity event, and I thought, you know, want to get him on the podcast to share his story You know, his life has been one of building resilience. His self-esteem was affected as a young kid being bullied in school and then becoming a farmer in his early 20s and working through a number of challenging events such as a flood and a drought that all tested his resilience, his persistence and his determination. And, you know, there's so many things like we we all go through challenges in life and it's the way that you deal with them and come through that teaches us the the powerful lessons and that's what Warren does now uh, he's a keynote speaker a facilitator a mental health advocate and regional leader for the love me love you foundation and he's on a mission to share his message about mental health and why it's important to ask for help and to speak up and find support in your loved ones and your community now warren is a wonderful example of someone who has taken his unique story and turned it into a powerful message that he now shares as a speaker so if you have a message to share and you're thinking well, who would want to listen to me i couldn't be a speaker then i encourage you to look up to warren to see uh, to use him as an example of what is possible now we met at the united pop studios here in melbourne um awesome, awesome recording studio there at United Pop. And uh, Warren, we we chatted about his story. Warren also shares his lessons learned from the tough times he experienced. And we talk about how to know when to reach out for help. We talk about mental illness and how do you know when your everyday stress, you know, a lot of us suffer stress. We talk about how do you know when that is turning into something more serious. And this story resonates with everyone. He talks, I mean, he talks to everyone from high school students to CEOs to sporting clubs. So it really does resonate with many, many different people. And you don't need to be a farmer, um, you know, or have gone through the same challenges for this message to hit home. So I really hope you do enjoy this and take something on board and help to share um, the message of checking in with people, reaching out if you think you're not doing okay and helping people get through tough times. Okay, so you ready to meet the unbreakable farmer, Warren Davies? Let's do it. Warren Davies, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Christina. It's um, been a 
bit of a goal of mine to be here today. So, oh, really? Yeah, ever since we first met, we I think we spoke at, at a charity gig in... Yes. Yeah, and I thought... Yeah, it'd be good to be on on your podcast. So about three years later, here it is. Yes, (laughs) yes. Dreams do come true. That's it. (laughs) Keep putting it out there. (laughs) I actually didn't know. If you'd asked me earlier, I would have said yes. (laughs) (laughs) All good. So, Warren, you're known as the unbreakable farmer. Um, You've gone through some major challenges in your life and you now speak to organizations, schools, um, a wide range of audiences on how to build resilience, overcome adversity. Now, your personal story is really powerful, so I would love if you could share that with us today because there's a lot of lessons in there that I know that people can take away from even if they haven't had the same experience as you. Um, So can you take us back to where your experience with going through adversity began? The challenges that I went through started probably back when I was seven. So I was born and bred in Melbourne. So I wasn't always a farmer and not always from the country, but mum and dad decided to move to the country. But what growing up in Melbourne, they were small business owners, mum and dad, and we moved around lots. And that um, probably tested your resilience, but you don't realise it at the time. Um, moving a few schools as well and meeting new people and, and getting knocked around. But it was probably um, when I left grade six, I was... I'd built myself up to be the head honcho. Okay. So I was the the leader of the school, if you like. I was Blue House captain, and, the, and <gasps> I was Blue House captain, and the, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the bell monitor, and I used to take the principal's bins out, like all Look the real all the real good jobs. <laughs> like I was I was the head honcho for sure. And in my cohort in grade six, there was about 180 kids. But when we moved to to secondary school, I was the only person from our primary school that went to the school that I went to. And so that started a new challenge. So as a teenager and going to a new school where you knew nobody, it was a boys' school. And I think from basically from day one, I was bullied. Now, you see me walking here, I'm about six foot three. And I was about six foot three when I was in year seven. But all those little weedy kids used to bully. And it was fairly consistently harsh bullying. Why do you think you were a target at the time? Probably because I was a big buffet or something. Like that. <laughs> I don't know. but And I was a new kid because like, lots sure. of these kids had come from different schools where they were in groups of 10 or whatever. And um, that bullying went for the next three years while I was at that school. Now, I went from a straight A student in year seven to failing in year nine. And you know, I mean, failing, I was E and minus E, like it was, I was terrible. And um, I think that really affected my self-esteem because I didn't think I could achieve, like, because I've gone from this, plus them being bullied at the same time. And I always say that like AFL football is a real passion of mine. And all I wanted to do was make the school footy team at that school. And I think in year eight, I tried really hard to make the, the junior footy team and I failed and made the table tennis team. And that was a real, you know, kick in the guts. And, and with everything else that was going on, I really struggled. And so um, when it come time that mum and dad wanted to move to the country, I thought that was fantastic. Like I'd be able to go and reinvent myself and, and no one would know who I was and I could go in and try and make some new friends, and which I did. Um, I always say it was a bit, a bit funny because I'd left a left an all-boys school in Melbourne and went to 
did the last six weeks of school in Kyabram, rock up on the first day and something I hadn't encountered for three years um, was waiting for me at, at, in the classroom and that was girls. And so my marks didn't improve very much in that next six weeks. Cause How I, old were you at this point? Uh, I was year nine, so I would okay. have been 15 or 16. So yeah, my, so my focus was taken. So at the end of the year, I'd still failed school and that was year nine, but I, they, in their wisdom, passed me and put me up to year 10 and but things didn't get much better so and it was all the, along this journey and I think my story and one of the real take-home lessons is is about addressing things that go on when they happen and try not to let them fester into big problems and this so what is was it in terms of what were you um, fearful that would happen if you were to ask for help yeah I don't know just that I'd, I wouldn't get recognized or you know it might have been uh, probably not accepted or you know people wouldn't take it seriously or yeah like and I know at the at the school with the bullying I know I can remember the day where I, I, I probably cracked and I had a crack back at the kid and I ended up with the the meter ruler and the and the right. yeah so I was the retaliator and I got in trouble so and that was and I think the thing is is these set um I suppose things up in your mind that that's how you think it's always going to play out. Mm. So I think it's just about you know being serious about seeking help, and when you know there's something wrong, to stand up for for your, your yourself and your rights and 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 seek that help. Absolutely, but it's a very vulnerable position to be in to ask for help when you don't know what the response is going to be. That's that's right, and that's that's always the hard part, and that's why. One of the thing, reasons why I do what I do now is to try and create safe environments for people to talk up about what's going on in their life. Absolutely. Yep. Tell me about your experiences as a farmer yep. and the lessons you learned there around building resilience. Yeah. So, the, as I said, I failed school. So, I had to find a job and I didn't really have a, a dream, but I did like farming, but I thought that was all about tractors and motorbikes. So I thought I'll get a job on a farm and that's what I did. And I worked for a guy for seven years who, he taught me everything I needed to know or I thought I needed to know. I thought I knew everything. Um, it's pretty naive. By about, As you do when you're in your early twenties. By about 22. <laughs> and I thought, well, I knew I know everything I need to know. Um, my now wife and I were about to get married. We thought we'd buy a farm and we bought the farm next to mum and dad. And made a family business and, and that was a good thing and a bad thing. And I think the the thing is that I was going into business with them. That was probably naive. Family businesses and that mm. you know, have troubles. <laughs> and also in business with the banks because they lent me money, but I probably paid no respect or really much attention to my silent business partner and that was Mother Nature. Mm. And she decided along the journey that she was going to deal us a couple of blows that really tested that resilience and, and, and probably built real, more resilience as well because we first had a flood and, um, you know, that was, I thought that was the end of the world because, you know, all of a sudden all our farm was flooded and we had no feed and we had cows to milk and it was just a big challenge. But it, I think as I look back at my story now, I would never change anything. Like farming taught me some great skills like initiative and problem solving and, and, and built my resilience. And and that was the first real challenge, I suppose, with, with that. And So can we go back to when there was that flood 
and you thought it was the end of the world. What was going through your mind throughout that period? What were you dealing with? Well, just how well, your focus just kind of changes because you thought, well, how am I going to feed my animals? And you know, where am I? and we were always strapped financially because we were building a business basically from scratch. We weren't generational farmers, and and so all those things of going through, well, how are we going to survive this and all those little things going through your head and it just keeps building up. And But I suppose then the focus is that you've got to keep going. And that's the thing with it, being a farmer is you you haven't got the choice to say, well, I'm not getting up in the morning. You've got to get up and you've got to keep going. And then all of a sudden you look back and three weeks might have gone past and once again you haven't dealt with a lot of stuff that you've dealt with, you know, that you've done during that three weeks, but all of a sudden it hits you and go, oh. Geez, that's well, that was a challenge. Mm. And so, how was your so carrying your you know how you were dealing with your um, you know lower self esteem, ha- having brought that from your younger years? How did that then show itself or manifest during that time? Yeah, and that's and that it did it, like because I thought well, you start feeling a bit sorry for yourself and you wonder why me and but when and I think the flood compared to a couple of the other things that happened was it fairly isolated we were one of the only farms in our area that was affected just by circumstance and yeah you think you know why me and and then you start doubting yourself and all of a sudden it's just kind of that self doubt and all that starts coming into your mind how how can I handle this and all that all those things come into you and that Mm. and I think that was because I didn't know how to handle it properly because I hadn't handled it when I was younger. Sure. Yeah. And I know you said that you wouldn't change anything, but if you could give yourself, your younger self, some advice. So if you go back to Warren when the floods were happening and you were thinking it's the end of the world, what would you say to younger Warren? Oh, that you you can get through it. Like it, it wasn't, it was a big challenge, but there's, there's ways and means and solutions. And I think they're some of the lessons that we'll probably discuss a little bit later that, that have come out of, of that journey is that, you know, you think things are really tough at the time, but there's always someone doing it tougher and there's always a solution that you can basically negate negate to get through. So Yeah. So what was the turning point for you where you decided enough, I'm gonna figure this out? As in at the flood or the whole thing? Oh well the whole journey. The whole journey or was there a turning point or were there a few? Well there was a probably a few. So the the next thing was that we had a family bust up on the farm. Um mum and dad and I decided we wanted to go different directions and the only way that that was going to be solved was by us buying them out which then cost us a lot of money and a lot more debt and etc cetera, etc cetera. and then but I suppose if I ever sit down and do you know one of those matrix tests or whatever my values always sit families number one money's probably 10 hence why i'm sitting here with you in melbourne and not on hamilton island or doing <laughs> something like that hey this is a pretty good place to be that's pretty pretty cool <laughs> i'll jump on the drums in a minute and, yeah. uh, <laughs> but um yeah family when that happened fa- it really rocked me because family's number one and so the farm kind of it caused that problem I believed and I started to blame it and I started to become bitter. And I suppose that's one of the, I talk about my mental health journey as a spiral. And that was probably when I was spiraling just slowly, mm. you know, but it had a major effect on us, but we did get through it. And once again, you've got to get up in the morning, you've got to keep going. And it was probably just in patches where 
after a few weeks and then it hit you and you thought, but we dealt with it. We bought mum and dad out of the farm, as I said, and it cost us money and debt and was able to, then to patch up the family, which was good. But not long after that was when the drought hit. So Mother Nature decided to, yep, I'm going to give you another whack. Mm. And that's what she did. And But we were really, as like a husband and wife, and we had a couple of kids by that stage, we were, we were really hell-bent on fighting our way through it. Like we'd done the flood, you know, we'd done all that. And I think I'd built up some more skills, but there was still that underlying stuff that you don't deal with. And after two and a half years of waking up every day, looking up, waiting for it to rain and it doesn't rain and knowing that you're not doing the job that you should be doing because finances are stressed, you can't, you can't get stretched and you can't get feed and, you know, you're not looking after your animals, which is your number one priority as a farmer. Um, which is that these are the things that are fairly, um, I suppose, typical at the moment with the stuff that's in the news and people bagging farmers for not looking after them. It's the, work, the last thing a farmer would do is, is neglect their animals. Mm. Like, And it was that all started to play on me. And I suppose two and a half years of that, like patching up a family thing and hit by the drought and then being under a fair bit of financial strain and not being able to do your job properly, a lot of these things just started to spiral out of control and I started spiraling pretty quickly um, and probably not knowing how to handle it or not knowing how to reach out I kept spiraling out of control yeah and until what point to a point where I couldn't see a way out so it got to a fairly fairly dark day and that was the turning point so I call that that moment in life my two my two feet of perspective and I gained perspective on life and I'll use a slide when I'm talking and it's basically as I was in my dairy that night looking up at the ceiling I thought you know life gives you two choices you can either be bitter or you become can become better and now I decided to be better become better from that day forward it wasn't it's not an easy journey and it's been a long journey but I decided that I had to bounce back and I, I was a, I needed to be a better version of who I'd become because I'd become just this bitter and twisted and I just lost all perspective of what was going on because we we're under so much strain mm. yeah so what did you do to get yourself out of that so I did seek help so yeah. I reached out and we got some help but at the same time, it's a really important lesson around mental health or mental illness is that because you haven't got an arm in a sling or you're not on crutches, you've, you've still got to take it seriously. And I didn't at that stage. And so it probably extended my journey of, of recovery longer. But basically not long after all, that, that moment, we decided that we couldn't continue farming. So we basically had to walk off our farm, which was a... Which was another one of those days that, you know, it was that when we made that decision, it was really hard. And, and you know, once again, what does the future hold? Because we were, you know, two or three years into a 10-year plan. We thought, you know, we had it all sussed, we thought. But then this had been come from not left field because it was slowly building a bit like the drought now. It hasn't just happened today. It's mm. been building for 12, or 12 months or two years. And But more. it sounds like you were holding on yep. to the farm and you're like no no this is what yep. I've worked so hard, hard for. for this is my baby this yep. is my life this is my family yep. I can't let this go yep. that must have been really tough for you yeah so it, it was because your farm is 
everything. It's yeah, 24-7. It's not just your job. It's your home and it's your business and it's where your kids grow up. Yeah, it's your everything. And But also with, with farming and I think with anything, there's a fair bit of identity attached to it. Mm. And having to make that decision to walk away from the farm, I think I lost my identity as well, which was another challenge that I had to, to deal with because all of a sudden I wasn't worrying the farmer. Well, we, uh, I did go and manage a farm. We, we were lucky enough to pick up a job. We moved to South Australia and I went and managed the farm, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't my farm. I was working for someone for the first time in 16 or 17 years and it was pretty tough, but I'd lost this identity because, and I also was dealing with a lot of, of stuff like shame and guilt and that because I felt I'd left my, let my family down. And, yeah. and it's that's tying in also to your identity as the, you know, someone who takes care of his family and by you know walking off the farm then that identity has gone as well do you know mike rolls speaker yeah so he came on the podcast um a while back now um but he we talked about letting go of the the toxic things that are holding you back in life and for him it was his leg that he asked the doctors to amputate because it was infected and it was holding him back and that was the hardest decision he ever made but have, after letting it go, he was able to then go on and do all these other amazing things he couldn't do otherwise. Yeah. And this is particularly relevant. So you sharing a story about the letting go of the farm um, reminded me of that. And yeah. I know this relates also to people who are in a bad relationship yeah. or who in, are in a, a bad job or anything that's toxic that aren't allowing you to move forward. Yeah. I know there's a lot that you've learned from this experience. Would you mind sharing a few of those lessons? Basically what my mission is now is is to create awareness, especially about mental illness and mm. mental health and well-being. And then the other the other thing is to inspire conversation because that's the toughest thing is conversation and then it's to enable um enable people to seek help or you know enable to um you know, to make sure they take action and like even with my school story, take action and make sure that you're, that you're looking after yourself or, or whatever you have to do. So that's my main mission now. But the lessons that I learned probably around that as well is that communication is key and hence probably why I'm a speaker now. But communication is key because if you don't speak up and you don't talk to people, no one knows because no one would have known walking past me in the street that I was in a position that I was in and that's probably a good thing and a bad thing but not my closest people so always talk about now about that support network and your five closest people you know Mm. make that you've got that you can lean on that you know can support you we're very good at putting on a mask yeah and and pretending that everything's okay (laughs) everything's fine and everyone does it everyone does it it's very challenging and you're in a very vulnerable position when you have your real true self out on display and i think i've learned that vulnerability is power Mm. and to to be vulnerable even though it's a real challenge it, it gives you power and it can be liberating and it can you know free you from those toxic things that are holding you back can you tell me about a time when you were vulnerable maybe when you first started to open up and yep. how that impacted you when I first started speaking I think I, I was really reluctant to share the full story because I one who'd want to listen to that story and 
But as I shared more and more of my story, it become more and more powerful. And I think that that it's, that vulnerability. So I'll, I'll give you a quick story mm. now. There's a I did a speaking gig about 15 months ago in South Australia, and it was a dinner event. And after the, that, a girl tapped me on the arm and said, "Can I have a talk to you afterwards?" And said, "No worries." Well, this girl was 14, and she she was really struggling. And she'd been struggling and a similar thing. She'd been bullied at school, didn't think she was quite good enough, all those things. So she could relate to my story, even though, one, she was a 14-year-old girl and, and, and she wasn't a farmer. So, But she could relate to my story and we had a chat for about an hour. And then I was getting on the plane, going back to, flying back to Melbourne, and I get a message from her mum saying, thank you very much for, for um, talking to her and you've made a difference. And she's, you know, full of beans and, you know, she can see a way for. Well, her journey's been a bit up and down since then, but prior to Are You OK Day, I get a message from her and just to say, let you know that my daughter's standing up in front of her school and she's going to share her story. Wow. Well, that was powerful and that's why I do what I do because that paying my story forward has enabled her then to feel that it's okay to pay her story forward. And the, I think the moral to that story is the next day, the counsellor at that school got 10 kids come along saying that we're we're struggling as well wow so that's the power and that's the power of storytelling and the power of being vulnerable and gives you power and that's what I looked at still a challenge for me to stand up on stage and and bear your soul but I think it's the those sort of things that happen mean just excite you and want you to keep sharing it to try and help people and make it more acceptable that you can reach out and seek help. Doesn't matter what it is, but yes. whether it's a mental illness or it's business or it's relationship or whatever, but reach out and seek help. Yes, I'm reading Brene Brown's Daring Greatly at the moment. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. Yeah. So she talks a lot about yeah. vulnerability and how other people see. We think that it's weakness yeah. in ourselves, but we in others we see it as strength and courage. Yeah. And I think that's such an important thing for people to hear in that it's okay to reach out to ask for help. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the only way that we're going to be able to grow and, and build up ourselves. And I think and and that's how you can create change. Yes. <laughs> and you know, and be the difference. Absolutely. By being vulnerable. Yep. So Warren, can you tell me you were struggling since year seven. Yeah. Um, a lot of people go through stress, anxiety, just as as a normal part of life. But how do we know when that's shifting towards mental illness i think it creeps up on you as well it's a bit like everything like it'll, all of a sudden a couple of weeks down the track it'll just whack you and say really i'm not well and you, and i think you don't know so that's why it's important that you have this support network around you that are probably educated as well and that's part of what i do now educating people about seeing the signs so if you notice that a friend or you know a colleague or in a workplace or whatever is doing things differently and there might only be just subtle things well there's no harm in asking are you okay Mm. that and they you know they might say yes I am but then you can keep watching them and and making sure that they're okay like and I think you're not going to find everybody because as we said masks are really good people wear them all the time but you can reach out and just see if they're okay and tell them that you're there for them or just be a, an ear for a listen like and all of a sudden they'll 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 get to a stage where 
we'd, you'd hope that they'll get to a stage where they'll confide in you and say, yeah, well, I'm not okay. And yeah. you can take action from there. And that also requires, it's a really, it's an important point there, to actually ask someone if they're okay requires vulnerability on your part as well. well. It takes more courage to ask than it is does to speak up. Why do you think people are afraid to ask? It's a bit like, I, I use it, this easy analogy, like if someone got run over in the street down here in front of us, how many people would run over to see if they're okay? Not many because they'd be worried that they're going to get all tied up in a situation where, you know, that they don't want to be in and it's going to be questions going to interrupt their mm. day. But people have lost that perception of caring, I, th I think, you know, because they're caught up in their everyday, the world's busy, you know. We're finding that at the moment in our household, the, the world's busy and we just need to stop for a minute and just take stock of where we're at, you know. Yes. And I think that's what stops people is just, you know, the fright of what they might hear mm. or what, or in an accident, what they might see. And that the thing is that, you know, that being that true support person is you don't care what you see or you hear, you just go and do it and, and then deal with the rest of it later kind of thing but it's all that it is it takes more courage to ask and I know I like I do this now like I'm lucky enough to travel around Australia speaking and and talk about this all the time but I've had an occasion where it was one of my mates and I had to go and have that conversation it was tough mm. but I knew that I had to have it because I'd been um preempted by his wife that things weren't going good so you had to, I had to, I was obligated to, yeah. <laughs> or not obligated, but I knew that I had to say something, you know. Culturally, Aussie males, especially sort of middle-aged to older Aussie males, traditionally want to be seen as like the tough guy. Oh, I don't, I don't talk about emotions. I don't talk about that sort of thing. How do you, how do you approach that? How do you get someone who is so fearful of vulnerability to open up? I think that's one of the reasons I share my story because yeah. I was stuffed. I was a farmer, so I'm a stoic farmer and I'm a male, so I was tarred with the brush twice, so there was no way I was going <laughs> to So by sharing my story, hopefully I, you create that environment that it makes it more acceptable to share your story. And I got asked this question like about, um, about mental illness. Well, it's been around forever. Like you look at World War II veterans coming back how many people talked about what happened in the war? Nobody, because it was just too, it opened up too many wounds and all that. But a lot of those fellas suffered because they didn't speak up. If they had, they might've been able to shed themselves of the toxins of the war or whatever, and then move on. But they didn't, they just kept it bottled up. So I think it's not just a new epidemic. It's been going for a long time. And I think it's getting better. People are talking more, but that stigma still holds people back like you know that stigma of talking openly about mental illness or or the problems that are going on but like you said the more people like you who put themselves out there and share their stories the more that's going to encourage and inspire others to do the same yep. as well yep. Warren I'm just conscious of time we're coming to the end of this conversation um, but it's been so wonderful and thank you for being open and vulnerable here today do you have any final words for the listeners around you know What's something they can do if they um, are feeling that they're not, you know, in a, in a good space? Well, seek help. Like, go and see your doctor, or talk to your best mate, or to your to your wife or your partner, or and open up and tell them that you're not feeling well, and see what sort of talk course of action. Obviously, if you're really 
feeling vulnerable is obviously the lifeline and mm. beyond blue and and all those numbers that you can call but it starts off before it gets to that stage talk mm. speak to the people that are closest to you have that that five people that that support network and 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 have a chat to them and and, the, and once they know at least they can look out, out for you and they can help because I, I talk a lot about in, when I talk about community as well because when I talk about that communications key, staying connected, well, staying connected to your community and whatever that is, whether it's family or it's your workplace, whatever, well, that community can look after you. And within community, there's shared wisdom and there's problem solving and that. So someone you might not know, and I've found this a number of times through speaking, there's, there's people out there that have got the same story as me, but they've never spoken about it and it nearly blows you away. So there's people there that have been in the same position, might be the same, but they can give you their their answers to how they dealt with it. Mm, absolutely. Warren, you speak to audiences, you share your story. Um, who do you speak to and how can people connect with you? Yeah, quick answer is whoever will listen. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm lucky enough that I, you know, anywhere from corporate companies right down to just little farming groups or footy clubs or netball clubs so anywhere in between schools I love doing schools because you get to talk to um you know to kids that are around that age where I really started to struggle so that's fantastic but you know also talking to corporate groups you know corporate companies is also good as well because you can hopefully change a little bit of the culture that's going on within them and make it more of a positive environment for the people that work there um, as far as getting in contact with me, obviously on Facebook, Instagram, and my website's www.theunbreakablefarmer.com.au. Thank you so much, Warren. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Big thanks to the unbreakable farmer, Warren Davies, for being such a wonderful guest on the show this week. You can find more about what he does at theunbreakablefarmer.com or simply visit the show notes at thecmethod.com slash 197. I'll also put links to how you can connect with him on social media in the show notes as well. Now, if this podcast resonated with you, please do share it with someone who you know may be going through a tough time and you believe needs to hear this message. Let's all get on board and support Warren in his mission and and get the message out to more people so we can get more people talking about mental health, increasing awareness, because it really does save lives. Okay, and that is all from me this week. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you next week. I'm Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. Music